Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So Liz, um, some very exciting news broke this week. You know, everybody is sort of wrapped up in the election next week and the latest coronavirus hysteria and Fauci's on his tour. But um, something really major, major bombshell was dropped this week that we want to let our listener know about in case he missed it. Remember the anonymous op-ed that was published in the New York Times in September of 2018? Uh, yes, I do. I was I was reliably informed that it was the highest level of government official and possibly Mike Pence or even Melania Trump. Yes, they it was either going to be someone major like John Kelly or Jeff Sessions, Melania, Jared and Ivanka. Maybe Mike like Pence a duo. My favorite. Mike Mike Pence. Pence. But that was serious. Like people spent weeks like they were parsing out. Remember the uh, what was the word that was used? Uh, oh, load was, load star. Yes. They did advanced text analysis <laughs> of people's prior work. Real Sherlock Holmes is work, work done there. Right. Real a lot of Sherlock Holmes is. So we finally found out this week the tippy top high level. He was at Trump's side the entire time. We found out who it is. Um, the very well-known, powerful, influential Miles Taylor. Who? <laughs> what do you yeah. mean who? What do you mean? I didn't even know who he was. I didn't even know who he was. And then... Everybody was all like a buzz about it. And I'm I'm like, who is this guy? And it, it turns out he was Kelly's chief of staff at DHS. And then he was on TV last night talking to Fredo Cuomo um, in between, uh, you know, deadlifts. Fredo asked him and he was telling the audience that Trump wanted to like electrocute and shock and shoot. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. No, I, he did. You're right. Explain that. what he said. He said, <laughs> I, 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 at first I thought this was the onion, right? Like I thought this can't be real, but this is, I'm going to quote exactly what he said. Quote, the president at one point wanted us to gas, electrify and shoot <laughs> migrants at the border. What we're talking about, Chris, is innocent women and children Seeking a better life in the United States, fleeing violence and persecution, and the commander in chief is telling us he wants to gas them. Now, I'm going to call just bullshit on that right away. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how the left and the never Trumpers and the deranged progressives and the resistance have this obscene caricature of Trump. Like he's basically like an ape right he 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 operates on on like ape-like instincts kill eat burn you know just so can you imagine there's a policy meeting with a bunch of obviously if this low life this low level rando was in the meeting it couldn't have been high super high level and he's in this and trump is like can we electric electrocute them sure. can we can we burn them i mean it's crazy 
I don't know. So Miles Taylor was, and he wasn't chief of staff. It was actually to Kirsten Nielsen. Oh, Kirsten he wasn't, Nielsen. Okay. He wasn't even chief of staff to her when he wrote that op-ed. And then remember, he took that and wrote it, made it into a book, a best-selling right. book. Of course. Um, but what's interesting, and then when he left the White House, finally, he went to Google, shocker, and then has taken a leave from Google because now he's a CNN contributor. But they played a clip where he directly lied twice to Anderson Cooper, who asked him if he was anonymous. So he's lied about this repeatedly. Like you just said, he got confronted. And um, but he, he is, told the truth. Who would care? You know what I mean? Like. If you revealed who he was and what his position was, do you think that the left couldn't keep up the myth that it was Mike Pence or, <laughs> you know, John Kelly Jeff, Jeff or, Sessions or, you know, some other actual person of import? And, you know, it, this is another instance of the, like, ghost-like imagery these people cling to as their, you know, rationale for their derangement, you know? Well, it was funny to see a lot of journalists yesterday, uh, I mean, definitely journalists not on our side of the partisan divide, but they were really calling out the New York Times for presenting this, you know, loser who had no influence, no um, power, and nobody knew who he was. They were pushing back in the New York Times for presenting him as a senior administration official and really mis uh, shocking, misleading their readers about the veracity and the, the power of this guy. So it was fun to see that. There also was a lot of pushback from the left because, of course, Miles Taylor was at the Department of Homeland Security during the infamous Kids in Cages episode. So apparently his conscience that he's grown when he left and went to Google and now is the never Trump rock star. Um, so he was getting a lot of flack from the left. Well, if you were so outraged, why did you stay there during the kids in cages uh, drama? So he di didn't really have an answer for that. What, what a, what a joke, but also you can really see how the left is not particularly ethical you know like they claim that they're opposed trump because you know he's this monster he's this dumb gorilla monster who's so stupid but yet they're the ones that are always getting hoisted by their own petards right you know and remember they started me too and they were really excited but who are the big fish that they caught on me too kevin spacey um What's his name? Al Franken. Al Franken, the other guy, Wein Jack, uh, Weinstein, yeah. Harvey Weinstein, Matt Lauer. You know, it's Their like side. it's you. It's not like Frank's Towing Company. It's not Bill over at Frank's Towing Company who's got busted right down the street. <laughs> no, it's Harvey Weinstein. It's all these other people that are them. And it's the same thing with this where you can see like um, – Kids in cages, you know, fine, right? But then he doesn't have a problem with that. But whatever else Trump said or did was too much. So, I mean, they use ethics as a security blanket, you know, as, as a propaganda piece. They, they don't have ethics either. They're not ethical.
It's also going to be interesting, and this is a view to what is going to happen to Never Trump if Joe Biden is elected. Um, obviously, this is an issue you and I talk about. I've covered about. I've covered in my book the the idea that these Never Trumpers are going to find a safe haven in the Democratic Party after they're done being used as useful idiots for the Democratic Party to try to get rid of Trump once the president is out of the White House. Of course, he's not going to be gone on the public scene whatsoever. But what 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 are they going to do with the Miles Taylor? He's not going to be able to go on CNN anymore or have, you know, Bill Crystal tweet about him as this moral authority um, standing up against Donald Trump and the Republican Party. What what are they going to do? Like he'll he'll be back to being an absolute nobody. Well, that's really all of them. You know, what mm-hmm. what is their career trajectory? If Trump loses, what do they think is going to happen? Well, they're not going to be getting um, a position in the Biden administration. Right. Can you imagine like a warmonger like Bill Kristol? Like what, right. what are they going to do with the neocons? <clears throat> I don't see the neocons getting a position. <clears throat> and are their CNN contracts will probably expire. What what are they going to do? At that point, like, what's their gimmick to go on the air every night? You're going to have a senile old man if he's, they're still pretending he's the candidate. And then, um, you know, what, what, who's going to pay them? They're, they've outlived their value, and they're certainly not part of the Republican Party anymore. A lot of them were out campaigning against Republican senators. <laughs> so it's like, right, you, you just, just, you're you're just a Democrat. It, it's like Bolton to John Bolton, you know, where, where's he going next? You know, he, he's nowhere to go either. So it certainly, if Trump doesn't win on Tuesday, it's certainly going to be interesting to see the sorting, the resorting of the political ecosystem. It really will. And I think that this was just a tip off. And then, um, you know, Taylor's explanation for why he didn't tell the truth, of course, whose fault was it that Miles Taylor didn't tell the truth and is just a bald-faced liar fraud? Yeah. Donald well, Trump's fault. I it's think not it's Miles obvious. Taylor's fault. It's, it's obvious fault. he had to, like, stay anonymous because as soon as anyone found out what he was, it, was, it, would, it wouldn't have been useful, right? Because remember, that got a lot of play. Everybody was like, what? concerned and who was it and like it's Elaine Chow or maybe it's Ben Carson and you know we talked about the words he used this word and somebody else used it and it was a useful like everything that runs in the um, prestige media it was just a useful tidbit to 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 wave around and then it went away and what's interesting to me is why did he come forward Right. Like, right. Why would he reveal himself at this late stage? It's been why? like almost two why years. Why did he? Because he wants a Scooby snack for that. Right. <laughs> like he thinks Biden's going to win. Right. And he wants his Scooby snack. He wants his little mm-hmm. reward because of what he did. That's why. Well, let's talk about someone who is not anonymous, who's very well known, <laughs> but yet, but yet is nobody can find him and ask him any questions. And of course, we're talking about 
Joe Biden's degenerate son, Hunter Biden, who has not been found and the press is not even trying to figure out who, where he is or what he's doing or ask him any questions. Yeah, that's weird that there's no curiosity about <laughs> Hunter. Who know? You know, he could be in rehab, for, to be honest. We don't really know where he is. So let's talk a little bit about what went down this week. More um, the testimony by Tony Bobulinski, um, who is sort of really the whistleblower on all of this, their former business partner, and who is uh, talking about. So he presented a lot of his own documents and firsthand account of meeting with Joe Biden and Hunter Biden in, was it May of 2017, the same month that Joe Biden announced his yes. political, his PAC? Yes. So um, he gave a lengthy interview with um, Tucker Carlson this week with more bombshells. Uh, there have been voice recordings now, uh, people, you know, telling Tony, if you go f- public with all this information, we're done. You know, you're going to bury us all was one of the voicemail, uh, one of the exchanges. So but the media continues to cover up for this and dismiss it, ignore it or somehow justify it. I even saw people saying journalists saying, well, it doesn't matter because Joe Biden wasn't president that. So. Who cares if they're getting well, millions of dollars from the yeah. Chinese communists? Why? I'm not president right now, Julie. Do you think I can get <laughs> a very rich Communist Party-associated Chinese person to send me $10 million for a deal? There's a re- <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's similar to the Hillary Clinton uh, business model where you have to have the veneer of legitimacy to to hide the fact that you're getting basically bought and paid for by foreign interests because you're greedy. Exactly. And so, I mean, you do have to run for president. <clears throat> that requires a right. lot of yes. even personal money. But who believes that this just started in 2017 after Joe Biden left? So I don't, I find it hard to believe that the influence peddling only started when Biden pretended he was going to run for or said he was going to run for president. Exactly. And so we have now he's connected Hunter Biden. So Hunter Biden's just the pass through between all of Joe Biden's international contacts that he's built up over what a 30 year career dating back to when he was chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, which people overlook that tenure. And then, of course, his globe trotting with Hunter during the especially the last few years of the Obama administration. Hunter is just the deadbeat pass through between all of Joe Biden's contacts and the family trough. Right. So this is going not just to Hunter Biden's family, to Jim Biden's family and to Joe and Jill Biden, too. And he basically is a he's not even a foreign. I guess he is a foreign lobbyist. He definitely lobbied for Burisma. There's no question about that. That's was his role. They brought him on as a quote unquote board member because he really was a lobbyist, which is what he did. And so just have straight up you're getting paid off like they're bribing the Bidens at that point because they figure that Joe Biden, they know he's running for president. They figure he might win. 
So they're buying off the Bidens before Joe Biden gets back to the White House. Exactly. And it's 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 quite ballsy, like the way they they do it. It's it's like a clumsy. It's almost hubris that how little they try to be careful. Um, There's a lot of laws about getting foreign money and foreign business dealings. And it's almost as if the Biden family, as the Chinese uh, investors, air quotes, would say, the Biden family, um, you know, didn't care. They just didn't care. They didn't think they would get caught or anything. So, you know. So what happens if Joe Biden wins and they have this? I mean, there won't be any investigation because if Joe Biden wins, it's very likely then the Senate will go Democratic as well. So what happens to this? This just goes away and it goes away. It just, <clears throat> it's just going to go that away. That was a rhetorical question. You're yeah. Right. No, it, because honestly, if anyone thinks that Joe Biden and his family are the only politicians that do this, they would be wrong. So this is pretty standard in politics. This is how you make money as a politician. You, your family makes money for you and uses your influence. So I think that the intelligence community just collects this information. And, you know, when they need to, they have a little chat and they say, hey, I want to let you know, we know this. And also, it's really going to be a disaster because it's clear that he is, Biden is compromised Mm -hmm. by this from China, which Mm -hmm. is scary. And God knows what else is on that laptop that hasn't come out yet that also could be compromising and embarrassing for the Biden family. So, you know, what kinds of things would Joe do to protect his son? Like... That might be illegal things that his son was doing. I don't know. Well, if the president loses, he is going to go scorched earth. He still will control to the extent that he does. He'll control the party for sure. And he will still control the Justice Department and the Department uh, Director of National Intelligence for at least two months. So what he should do if he wins re-election is fire Bill Barr, fire Chris Ray right away. Get someone in there that he can trust. I mean, I feel like Rick Grinnell is the only guy he could really trust to get anything done. Um, Demand that John Ratcliffe, the director of national intelligence, look at all of these documents, um, force the Republicans, whether it's Ron Johnson, who's not up for reelection until um, 2022. He seems to be just quasi with it as opposed to Lindsey Graham, who very well could lose, but he would still be head of Judiciary Committee, but he won't do anything then. So they still have some, a little bit of leverage, even if the president loses and they lose the Senate. What they will do with that, I don't know, but I think the president will push to get something, some kind of recriminations against this, because as we know, Pfizer-gate, Russiagate, Obamagate, went absolutely nowhere. And so this would be our last shot to. I don't think anything is going to happen. I don't, I don't think it matters um, that Trump has like two months or, you know, technically before he has to turn over, you know, he has to leave office. And I don't think, I don't think anything's going to happen because 
nothing has ever happened. And, you know, Trump is fighting the institutional state as much as he's fighting the Democrats and the institutional state, you know, the interagency consensus folks. Um, and, and the final piece of that is the media. We're going to see the same treatment that the, that the New York Post story got <clears throat> the last two weeks. We would have the same thing happen if there were <clears throat> Senate hearings or an investigation or if God, maybe Durham's going to do his report, release his report finally. The media will, <laughs> the media so will just cute. censor it. I know. Right. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. But like, it, but it just will be like it's it's not there. It won't it won't get it won't be allowed on Twitter. It won't be allowed on Facebook. Won't be allowed in Google. Won't be allowed on YouTube. You know what? It's like it's not happening. <clears throat> so so what? Okay, so covering it up. That's fine. The federal agencies are are ignoring this. They've had this information. They buried it. Chris Ray makes actually could be more corrupt than James Comey if that's possible. But it's and then they had this stupid press conference this week about what they arrested Chinese who. And anybody know or care, you know, like our country is on fire (laughs) from internal domestic enemies. And you're still you know, this is like the Russian what GRU agents anonymous some some bullshit. So. But does this resonate with voters? So people in, especially around me in the Midwest, where, you know, Trump has to at least hold on to one of the three states that he flipped in, well, he really has to hold on to Pennsylvania. We can get to the maps in a minute. But do people see this? Do they, how does this take away from, you know, Uncle Joe and he's such a decent guy and he can bring us common ground and bipartisanship and blah, blah, blah. I mean, people see that this is happening. They can view these documents and witnesses as legitimate. Well, some people can, right? Some people can. I mean, not the hardcore 40% of the country. No, but the people who need to see it are not going to see it, right? Those are the people that aren't plugged in. If you know where to find this kind of information, you're already, you're already woke, so to speak. Or, you know what I mean? Like you're already, you, you, you already get it. It's right. the, the non-political people who, you know, are under the delusion that the Democrats are just, you know, they're just some nice dudes, nice, mm-hmm. nice. They're just different. They're just different. You know, they don't, they don't really understand what's going on here. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's unfortunate, but that's how things are going to be from now on. Mm, We're, right. We've been successfully, this New York Post story was like a test run for the future. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's see how this plays out where we're going to censor the story and the New York post is still banned. Um, you still can't share the link on Twitter and where, so this is how it's just going to be soon. It'll be, you can't share a link from American greatness or the federalist or the daily caller. Right. So, and the, and that's, that's the, the issue really is that the internet today is not the same internet in 2016 it's totally different place because they had to fix it because look what happened they got 
people were allowed to talk about Trump and not just talk about Trump, but share things about Trump where people mm-hmm. were able to share things on Facebook because, you know, again, Julie, I don't need to send you a primer on Russiagate. You already know what, you know, but there are people I know that aren't political that if I put something on Facebook and they read it, they'd be like, Oh, that's weird. I didn't know that. And then they'd put it on their Facebook. It's like they want to stop the spread of information to precisely the people who are in play, who you do want to let them know what's going on. So, right. Well, and we've talked about this before I made this point. If they're covering up, they're going to cover up for Biden worse than they will for Obama because they know that they are going to be just like they were in 2008 and 2012. They are going to be responsible for putting this man in office. They're going to cover up from we'll never know when his health is deteriorating. We will never know what's going on in the White House with him or Kamala Harris or any of his cabinet members. I mean, they'll. They're just going to continue. So this is really dangerous territory again, which is why Obama got away with all of the corrupt things that he did, because he knew that the media and to the extent that any journalist dared to investigate him, then he would turn the powers of the federal government against them as well. So and I mean, Obama's going to be running the show again. Well, and He's Kamala, on- you know, how long before Biden taps out of the presidency? <clears throat> yep. How long? It, it, weeks? Yeah, I I don't think it's going to be very long. And then it's going to be Kamala and and the Obama Obama operation. We're going to see get ready for like a parade of familiar faces. You know, Ben Rhodes, Colin Call, maybe Sally Q Yates will come back. Okay. Perhaps Obama can bring Comey back to run the FBI. You know, it's going to be it's going to be bad. It really is. So let's talk about what we think is going to happen on Tuesday or Wednesday or January, Friday, January 6th, New Year's Day. (laughs) Oh, by the way, Christmas is canceled. So is Thanksgiving. All right. Dr. Fauci says so. Oh, my gosh. When I was home in Vegas last week and I was talking to my mom about and my mom, as you know, she's super concerned about the virus and she should be she's 78 she's got a lot of she's got a lot of red flags just she's virus friendly let's say that virus friendly (laughs) and um and so I said well you know maybe I'll come home in December instead of Thanksgiving and she starts getting all sad and it's not that I'm it's not that I I I wanted to do that it's just she had another doctor's appointment and she was like you need to come back for that and and I thought, oh, it'll just be easier for me to come back once. And she was like, so sad not to have Thanksgiving with me. But I'm like, well, can you imagine your your hero, Anthony Fauci, is telling everybody they can't have Thanksgiving with any of their loved ones, you know? Isn't that terrible? It's, it's, it, it, it no one should listen to all. No it's one, despicable. absolutely no one should. Anyone who listens to these monsters tell you after this year, what families are going through, um, suffering everyone one way or the other whether their kids have been isolated you know from their normal life whether you've lost your job your business has been shut down whatever it is the nerve of these people to come out and tell you you can't gather with your family in your own home um that's just not normal it's not normal behavior they are such 
Anthony Fauci is a sick, twisted megalomaniac. And it's unfortunate that the president didn't get rid of him six or seven months ago. If he wins the president, the day he is certified, he needs to clean house so extensively. But he needs to start with Fauci and Burks. Get rid of both of them. It's really it's really amazing if you take a step back and think about the size of the federal government. There's I think there's five million people that work for the federal government and probably four point eight million hate Donald Trump. Right. So here comes this guy. He's totally an outsider. He doesn't know anybody who's a bureaucrat or, you know, a government worker or a you know, a, a poli- you know, who, or anyone inside the system and he comes in and it's like, how do you fire all every single person you can possibly fire? Some of whom you can't fire. Right. And then who do you put in their place? Like, I'm like, oh yeah, he needs to just take a match to the CDC and the FDA. Okay, great. Then what, who do we, who do we put in there? You know, I'm not, I'm not making excuses. Um, I'm just saying that, you know, it's, that's always the problem with coming at a populist from a populist position is that your opponents are very skilled at using the system to their advantage and you have nobody, right? You have nobody in there. Well, hopefully he's learned that lesson. Well, I think he has, I think he tries to make nice with Fauci, but you know, he also knows it would be extremely problematic for him to fire Fauci right now. Um, And Fauci obviously has an agenda. I think Trump was so overwhelmed when this started, really. And Mm -hmm. he's not a scientist or a doctor. And really, you have to trust those people to give you some information. And who know, and nobody knew how bad it was. And before you know it, we couldn't pivot to a, yes, this is very serious. And we need to learn how to continue on living with it while keeping people safe. Right. Right. But at first, you know, you have governor Cuomo slaughtering people in New York and you, you have these horrible death counts in New Jersey. People didn't really know how to, what was the best way to handle that. And we just never pivoted to, we need to learn how to live with this, keep people vulnerable who are vulnerable. We need to keep them safe, but other people need to, to keep moving on. And we've done actually quite a bit to develop treatments and therapeutics and we've got the vaccines coming and all that stuff. But, you know, we're still not having that conversation. We're just still getting fear, fear mongered, right. About, um, you know, this is killing. Now it's killing people again. Everybody's dying again. We have a second wave. Meanwhile, nobody's getting the flu, but that's, I guess, another story. Right. And, and Europe, Europe, which was locked down early and and very tightly. I mean, that's where we really got our lockdown strategy from what was happening um, in the EU. Despite we, scolded, we were scolded, right, for not being as as vicious with the lockdowns as Europe. Weren't we like compared yes. to how awesome Europe was by locking everything down? Yes, and so they are. They never really opened up. So the idea that they were just this free moving society again is just not true. So they're locking down again. 
um, poor, these poor people in South America are just so desperate. What's happening there is, is just a catastrophe because Argentina, Peru, they had the harshest lockdowns. They have been locked down for six months. And I mean, these are poor, desperately poor people there. Um, they continue to be locked down even harsher penalties locking down, but the virus is still doing its thing because that's what viruses do. And I, I was promised that Joe Biden would shut down the virus, but not our country. Mm -hmm. So what about that? plan because that seems like a good plan there's a tiny part of me that wants biden to win just, just to, to see yeah. what he's going to watch do. the whiplash just to watch <laughs> the whiplash what are they going to say how come people right. are still getting the virus well you know what it'll get h1n1 we'll just not hear about it anymore right or he will try the virus will still be a virus we will continue to realize that it's mostly harmless to the overwhelming majority of americans who test positive, claim that they have this and don't even know that they're sick or they literally have the sniffles. Um, So, but he will still blame Trump for it. Well, I could have stopped it. I could have shut down the virus, but Donald Trump mishandled it for so many months. It's too far gone. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see exactly what he does, how he does it if he wins. But Fauci and Burks, the bad people will be in control of, the mitigation, and that's definitely a scary prospect. Um, so what do you think? We gotta we gotta get specific about Tuesday. Okay. What the hell is going to happen? <laughs> I don't. I kind of want to go. I want. I want to take like a handful of Valium or something and just wake up at like 7 p.m. You know, <clears throat> and then just wake up. I don't even know if I can handle can handle it. What do you so what do you think is going to happen? So um, it definitely things are tightening up in the three uh, key battleground states of Pennsylvania, Michigan and Wisconsin, despite these lousy polls. It's amazing, Liz. And I know you have a lot of experience with polls. I don't. But looking at the quality of polls, it's astonishing that it has not improved over the past four years. I mean, you look at how they try to reach people, their samples, the stupid questions that they ask. Um, well, it's not really astonishing if you understand that their goal is not to be accurate okay. <laughs> as it is to depress turnout and prop up a specific narrative. Um, but I can assure you the internals are quite accurate. And that's why you see Biden crawling out of his basement every now and then to speak to like a bunch of people in hula hoops. I want to say a bunch, I mean like four, right. You know, he has people in hula hoops and in like hyperbaric chambers or whatever. And then he, he just starts speaking and calling people. What did he call those Trump supporters? Chumps. You chumps. Chumps Chumps for Trump. The chumps for Trump. Um, so they know that they're not like, didn't some idiots put out a poll saying that Biden was ahead by 17 points in Wisconsin yesterday? Yes. I mean, that's obviously not right. And they're going to those states. So they know that they're not home free, especially because the risk, 
look, every time they put Biden in front of a mic, there's a risk. It's mm-hmm. not like Trump. You know, Trump is just like a cabaret. You know, he comes there. He's ready to go. He, he's, I don't know how he does it because Seriously. he does like three of these a day. He's on his plane flying to three different states, yeah. giving his, these big talks for an hour doing like stand up or, or whatever. He is, he is got on. And, you know, everybody's kind of come to expect the kinds of things Trump says at the mic. But nobody knows what the hell Biden's going to say. He has a history of saying some terrible, you know, some really uh, off color things when he's in front of a mic. So for them to put him in front of a mic is always, you know, there's a big risk there. But they're getting him out there and they've got that Kamala, who also seems to be laying low as well. I guess they they think that this idea that they're the ones really concerned about your health and Trump doesn't care. Um, I mean, that's what they think their platform is. So Biden and Barack Obama will be in Michigan on Saturday. So that's sort of a good tell. Um, Debbie Dingbat, Debbie Dingle. Yeah was um, interviewed on MSNBC, so this would have been Wednesday night, saying that the race is tightening in Michigan. She's talking to her union guys on the ground, people who voted for Trump in 2016. She thought would flip to Biden. They're not. So that race is tight there. I think Pennsylvania is very tight. And all of these on-the-ground reports, aside from these huge rallies, these spontaneous rallies that are showing up, not just for Trump, but then to troll Joe Biden appearances, which is hilarious. Um, and then a lot of this early voting, I I don't – it, it's interesting to see how that is all going to shake out. But obviously no. the race is still very tight. It is not going to be this big landslide for Biden no. that the Democrats <clears throat> have been no. promising. Well, what um- – Talking about Pennsylvania, um, I'm sure our listeners know that Pennsylvania has been on fire for the last three nights Mm -hmm. um, because of uh, shooting involving the law enforcement. And I wonder what effect that has on voters in Pennsylvania when they see this stuff out of hand. And we know that the police were kind of told to uh, let it go. Um, with all the looting and burning down and destruction. And I I think even though it was in the city of Philadelphia proper, you know, people see that that don't live in proper Philadelphia. And I don't think they like that either. I don't think they're okay with that. So I wonder if that has an effect on people who would support Biden, but, you know, actually don't want to see their city burned down or their state parts of their state burned down. What do you think? I think it has to backfire, <clears throat> just like the all of the rioting and destruction did over the summer. I can't see that that is a good thing for the Democrats, for Biden right now um, in that state, because even if Biden wins Michigan and Wisconsin back, he can't win without Pennsylvania. He just can't. I mean, that is the key to Joe Biden's victory. Um, and I don't even think if he, well, I guess if he picked up Florida, but I don't, that doesn't look likely. It looks less likely to Republican turnout there and a huge advantage that Trump has with Hispanic voters. It looks like both in Florida and Texas. So 
Joe Biden has to win Pennsylvania. Yeah, I think Pennsylvania is going to be the locus. And they have a well-oiled cheat machine there, um, which worries me. But wasn't there a recent um, court decision that was good for Trump that related to Pennsylvania? Was that somewhere else? Which was what? I I thought there was a court decision because, you know, everybody's suing because the people in the states, the unelected bureaucrats are making up election rules that are insane. Um, And I I can't remember if Pennsylvania, if there was a good or bad court decision for Trump in Pennsylvania. I think it was that they can't. I think it was past three days uh, collecting ballots. And I think it was everything had to be in on that day. But there was also a bad, wasn't there a bad Supreme Court case yeah. for North Carolina? Yeah, there was one too where it. they can just, I don't know, the, the the court cases that get through the system are these absurd, like two week, we can accept ballots up to two weeks after the election, or they don't need to be postmarked, or they don't need to be in their security jackets. Um, they're just really ridiculous things that have nothing to do with running are, are obviously not to have a fair election. Um, and they've been, some have worked out in Trump's favor and some have not worked out in Trump's favor. So it just depends where it is. But I think you're right. I think in North Carolina, they're allowed to count longer than they should. Right. I think, yes, that's correct. So in North Carolina is, it, that looks tight. It's got a, Senate race there. Um, so that could be tighter than the Trump people would be comfortable with. Georgia could be tight too. They've got two Senate races, right? They've got both of yeah. those seats up. And there's a runoff. They have a runoff. I yeah, think. that's a weird how that's set up. So I do. So let's give our predictions. Oh. This is optimistic. But I do think the president gets reelected. I think he wins fewer electoral votes than last time. I think there definitely is a chance that he could lose both Minnesota and Wisconsin, um, but win Pennsylvania. I also think there's a chance he could pick up Minnesota. Um, And Arizona looks tight. So anyway, I think my last map had the president with all of the states he won in 2016, with the exception of Michigan, and picking up possibly Minnesota. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, if you ask me the same question in two hours, I'm going to give you a different answer. Right. Understood. I... I want to explain my logic as to why I just don't know. Okay. Here's my logic. First, I want to say, I do think that technically, if this were a free and fair election, that Trump would win. Right. Straight up. But it's not, it's not a free and fair election. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, I do not, I can't imagine that these people who are all part of the Russia hoax, who are part of the impeachment hoax with all of these resistance people hidden in the government, whistleblowers, all of the efforts of like Eric Holder and the taking over of the election mechanisms, the, the 
secretaries of states, the election actual process in each state, and all their group of fake election integrity groups. I just don't see how they're going to let Trump win again. Right. I mean, I, I don't know how. I don't know. I just don't. I just don't see it happening. And with the social media censorship and and uh, can you imagine these people just being like, oh, OK, I guess Trump won again and not doing everything? Oh, God, no, no. I just don't see that. And I think that if Trump does win and there's some way they couldn't litigate or um, what? Well, not necessarily litigate, but if there was some way that they couldn't use their censorship and brainwashing to, you know, ensure a Trump victory, I think we're going to start, we're going to have a color revolution here, you know, where they're going to start. He's not really the president. He's illegitimate. That whole thing. It's going to be like the maiden, you know, all over mm-hmm. again. Right. I, I, so I, I really don't know. I mean, we could lose the Senate. We could have Biden and a Democrat Senate and House. Can you imagine that? It's pretty terrifying, I mean, but you're right. I mean, it's it's feasible. You know, we have a lot of senators who are going to eat it. They're going to go. Susan Collins, who should go anyway, yes, she's bye. useless. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not sure McSally's going to pull it off. I don't think she's going to pull it off. Um, Cory Gardner's in trouble. Um, there's another. I think Lindsey Graham will be fine. McConnell's fine. Um, we might We might pick up. Um, Jones, I think he's Michigan, right? Uh, John, John Jones, oh, is that his name? Well, Jones is Alabama, but the Democrat, but, uh, John James is James, Michigan. whatever. What is it with these names that are so similar? I'm so, sorry. you know, they're those, but, you know, I just, I mean, we could seriously also lose the Senate. And when this is over, if we're allowed any longer to have conversations, we need to <laughs> add up the amount of money that was bent to thwart a free and fair election and to stop the elected president of the United States from actually having an administration, you know, yep. it's yes. billions and billions of dollars. Where is this money coming from and who is spending all this money to make sure that the people don't get to choose their representation? I mean, it's, it's horrifying. So I'm sorry. I don't really have a prediction. I I will say that if this were a free and fair election, that I do think Trump would be reelected. Um, I just I just don't think it's a free and fair election. And that's just Tuesday, right? When we're back on Friday, we're not going to know still, I don't think. And there's going to be all kinds of legal battles going on. And then there's going to be faithless, ele- the attempt of faithless electors, and they're not going to seat the electors and all I mean, you can't really take anything off the table with these assholes. Right. Yep. You can't. It's very discouraging. And that's why people are justifiably worried about even everyone voting and all things being fair, that it's not going to be fair because they are not going to let. They still feel robbed from the year 2000. They definitely feel robbed from 2016, and they are going to get their revenge this year, no matter what. Yep, I agree. And so then the next step is however many people end up voting for Trump. You know, last time it was, what, 62, 63 million people. Mm -hmm. People are more politically attuned now to the climate than they were in 2016. 
what what will the consequences be when 63 plus million people see in action that they've been robbed right that they right. that they are being cheated and manipulated and that exploited i mean when people don't have faith in the institutions anymore you know that's when i know i say this every show right we always end on this note where i'm like <laughs> so the end of our country, alas, it's the end of America. No, but right. how damaging is that? And and then also, how sick is it that people are willing to do that to get their way, right? Like right. nobody thinks, well, there's going to be seriously long-term consequences if tens of millions of people think that we're not playing fair anymore. Um, you know, what what will happen to our country? And that's why it makes me laugh so hard when I see the Democrats talk about how Trump is so divisive, divisive, but they're going to unify people. In what way would these people ever unify? They think we're subhuman garbage, you know? Mm -hmm. You're exactly right. Yes. It's just terrible. Well, we'll know more a week from now. If we're allowed to broadcast. So if we're allowed, <laughs> if Julie and I are free. If you don't hear from us. Yeah. We've we're, been deported. We're, we're in a Gitmo. They put us in Gitmo or something. They we're in the released, resistance camps. They released the terrorists out and filled it up with staff and American greatness. <laughs> uh, how sad. Well, any last words, Julie, before the election? Yes. Okay. Lo- load up. Load up on alcohol. It's always my <laughs> advice. I'm to go to Costco, get some of that Costco vodka. I hear it's actually pretty good. Oh, I don't God, know. no. No. I'm not a vodka God. drinker. Okay, no. I had a b- very early experience, quite formative, uh, that has imprinted me <laughs> when I was 18. And I just, I can't do that. But oh, no. I, I might just, I want to just fall asleep. You know what I mean? Like, But then in 2000, I fell asleep and Bush was the president. And when I woke up, it was gore. <laughs> No, that actually happened. And that has also traumatized me. I have like, I have post-traumatic stress disorder around elections. Like I'm afraid to go to sleep on election night ever since then. So who who knows, right? Anyway, thank you so much for joining us. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes if you are an iTunes person. And I think we're on, we're on Blueberry. I think we might even be on Spotify. I guess I should check these other outlets. Um, to see if we're available. But you can get us on iTunes. So we have that. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you, hopefully, God willing, not good. <laughs> Maybe. See you next Friday. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.